Yeah, yeah. Smoke is that smoke. what it is? Yeah, well, I don't know. Whatever. <sighs> Mitch and his dad podcast, episode 27. Jeez, we're not even going to have a... Is it? <sighs> I just uh, I thought I'd start it off. I don't know. Jump right in there. Episode I, 27, I, I, uh, I'm Mitch, I, I, with me as always is my dad. What's going on? Something to the... Your, your property of LCU, what is that? You, you've got a sweater on? LSU. Oh, LSU. Yeah, that would make more sense. This one is my uh, football one. I have a baseball one, and I have a general all-encompassing one. All right, and that's that's where you went to college, right? That's it. And what did you uh, major I'm in? Not, why am I not centered here? Okay, go ahead. Well, what did you major in there at uh, LSU? Economics. Economics. Yeah. All right. Now, did you go on like a, a a scholarship, sports scholarship thing, or anything? I don't want to get into all of that, but uh, <laughs> there... very uh, very discouraging subject. Okay. I actually didn't know what my major was for a number of semesters. I kind of went what I liked and what I was piling up the most credits for. That was that was my plan. I didn't have a plan, in other words. Man, this shirt was terrible. And why is that? Why is that a discouraging topic? What scholarships for sports? I mean, I just says yeah. I was. Uh, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I didn't. Uh, what do you call that? Uh, I didn't uh, fulfill my uh, promise and my destiny type of thing that everybody oh. thought I should. Oh, I've always been somebody with, you know, with uh, I don't know. People expect stuff out of me for some reason. Yeah, it runs in the family, I guess. <laughs> I guess so. I don't know. I I just have that uh, I've always had that uh little extra pressure, I guess you'd say. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I I, uh, I know I know the feeling. Okay. I think I do. I don't know. You know that feeling. I didn't know that you knew that feeling. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's necessarily pressure, but I guess I, I sort of felt like it. Really? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Oh, what, I, what I tell people is that I was spoiled with encouragement. Well, you were definitely spoiled. I mean. With encouragement. <laughs> Mom was a very, you know encouraging type person she was a very positive person yeah yeah i think it's very hard uh, to get her involved in anything in a way of a negative thought or any kind of a you know dark kind of thing yeah yeah i know and uh i think i don't know i feel like in a way it's that kind of thing that i i talk to people about is that there's no um perfect childhood or whatever have you there's there's no such thing as a I perfect had a, childhood. i had a perfect childhood I, I thank the lord every night for my childhood i'm my not child, saying you didn't have a good childhood it no bumps or bruises in it i mean it was extremely unbelievably perfect um i didn't mean it wasn't because of me no i'm not saying it was I, i'm just saying that i i was very i was very fortunate you know, I was always healthy. I had uh, everything I could possibly want. I had a whole neighborhood full of kids around the same age. All of us sort of born during World War II. Right. 
we all went to the same schools. I mean, it was it was just they couldn't possibly have thought up a better childhood. Well, yeah, yeah, we had had, a, you had a good, you had a pleasant childhood. You had a good childhood. I'm certainly not downplaying that. I'm what I'm saying is that, for instance, um, you know, there's a, you were an only child. Your father wasn't around much. He wasn't very affectionate. Uh, uh, well, that's kind of a marginal. You said that you had grown up very tall at a very young age, and that led to a feeling of kind of uh, an outcast feeling for a short while. Yeah, I'm not saying that these are things that will um, irrevocably change you and damage you for life, but it certainly has. You know, I'm saying there's everyone's got these different things in their childhood that sort of shape them uh, in one way or another, for better or worse. Yeah, I, I guess what I'm bringing it to mom and the encouragement is that uh, I think that to some degree uh, I, I there was a long time there where I expected people to be more impressed by what I was doing than they were, and then uh, which was what what whatever whatever I was doing everything I was doing oh. I was kind of always expecting people to be more impressed with it than they were. Yeah. And, um, I think that probably created a certain sense of laziness uh, where I didn't try as hard because I was like, well, you guys just don't get it. And then um, I've only probably in the last three years or something like that really started to make a, a, a very defined change where when I, wherever I work for somebody or I do something in my life that, that I'm proud of, I have a tendency to sort of oversell it waiting for that kind of acceptance, um, going to detail about how it was done and how difficult it was to accomplish. And um, nobody gives a crap. And so well, I'm, you do take too long to tell stories. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. You have a never-ending way of talking. But, I need uh, to fix that as well. I don't know if that's related, but I do need to fix that as well. But uh, it's, it, it's just a, a habit is all. You see, I have a general feeling about some of this stuff you're talking about, and it is general, and that is that, generally speaking, people really don't care about each other. In other words, a lot of things that, and you, I'm sure you noticed this already, a lot of things that you think someone would care about or take notice of they don't. Yeah. It's led me to a sort of a, it sounds kind of elitist, but it really isn't. It's not like I'm trying to say I'm better than so-and-so. It has nothing to do with that. But generally speaking, people disappoint me. I mean, I'm very disappointed in most people. They, they're just not what I want them to be. And that's kind of a funny thing to say. It, it makes it sound like I'm perfect or something. And believe me, <laughs> you probably will never meet anybody less perfect than me. But uh, I do have a strong disappointment thing that in the general population. Right. You know, it's just, uh, it's. I'm constantly on a daily basis just completely in disappointment over something, whatever it is, some expectation I had for somebody. Mm -hmm. That's why when someone absolutely 
bursts out into some form of greatness, <clears throat> it's very impressive to me. Now, I'm going to give you an example of that. Okay. You have a relative, and her name is Courtney LaMadre. Okay. She is my cousin, Laura, who was my Uncle Frank's daughter. Okay. She is married to a guy named Nick LaMondre. Very nice guy. Her daughter, who's <laughs> named after her original husband, is named Courtney Pennick, P-I-N-A-C. She recently graduated her bachelor's degree program at University of Mississippi, Ole Miss, as they call it, <clears throat> which is a really fine school, smallish type school in the middle of nowhere up in northern Mississippi. Uh, but they play all the major sports. They've been around forever. But they have a terrific reputation scholastically. And she's like this super student. I mean, as we all know, they have these people like that. I mean, she's traveled to Europe to study. She's Her goal is to finish graduate school after this graduation now and become an accountant and work for one of the big accounting firms in international accounting. Okay. Now, when you think of this young girl and you round her and you meet her, she's very, for you know, she's very intelligent. She's easy to talk to. She can talk on just about any subject. At the same time, she's just a girl, you know, a young girl. I mean, she's got some of those same traits as well. But um, she's an example to me of somebody who doesn't disappoint you. She goes full blast into her studies and her life. She knows what she wants, and she's going after it. Now, is that a rare thing? Yes, it is. <laughs> it's very rare. It's just nice to even know somebody that's that way because it's it's extremely rare. She recently sent me some uh, pictures of her graduation ceremony and her you know her her uh, mother and dad and everybody up in Mississippi. I, we got an invitation, but it was just no way to go all the way up there for the for the graduation. But uh, they live in New Orleans and. Uh, I usually see them sometime around the holidays. But she's kind of an example. The reason I bring her up is she's so rare of an individual. I mean, like you look at the entire family that takes in people that don't even know each other. <laughs> she stands out. So she's just she's just a rare gold nugget type person. Now, that doesn't mean that I love her more than I love you. I wouldn't suggest that. <laughs> it has no. nothing to do with that at all. No, no. I'm only bringing it up because there are still people on the planet close to us in some way that has this achievement syndrome in their life. And for some reason, I kind of expect that. So all these people people that I know that are way, 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 way short of anything like that disappoint me. 
Now, this does not include any of my children or grandchildren. Right? Well, uh, see, now, this is the thing. I could never be disappointed in my children. I would never. There's no way. And we we talked early things. on. We talked early on in the podcast where I said that, that you're a difficult person to uh, impress. And uh, there was a... Uh, until that podcast, I, I'd never gotten the impression that I'd ever done anything that you were particularly impressed by outside of uh, a baseball game or two when I was a kid. And so there's a part of me that's like, it's that um, sort of dichotomy, it's that battle between, it's like mom being overly encouraging and you very difficult to impress, to where I was like, well, you know what I mean, it sort of balances out. And so, you know, it's that, it's that kind of thing where I, uh, you know, uh, that's my struggle, you know what I mean, it's it's where I... I when I realize, like, I've been kind of spoiled by encouragement uh, at a younger age, uh, that's where I was like, I should, I, you know, I, I need to do something where I wouldn't feel guilty if somebody was proud of me for a change. And I haven't yet done that, but I'm but I'm working on it, you know what I mean? So that's kind of my, yeah. so, I mean, it, it speaks to, you know, I'm not surprised to hear that you're uh, often disappointed by people, but I'm not necessarily including myself in that. I'm just saying that that's uh, maybe something I internalized because that's the impression that I always got from you. Well, you know, it's hard when you've never had your own children to explain what that's like. It's it's very, and I'm sure it's individual. I'm not saying every parent has the same feelings about their children, but the feeling I have about my children and my grandchildren is like a spotless thing. In other words, I can't really, my brain won't even function in a negative manner toward any of you. I mean, I don't have a grading or any way of, um, I mean, like I say, it, I, it's impossible for me to be disappointed in, in my children. I, it's just impossible. I have too much of a deep love for you, and uh, it's just no way. I mean, you can't do anything that would make me disappointed. You could do something that would make me upset, you know. But well, I hope you don't do that. But I mean, the last it, eight I, years of my hairstyle. The what? In the last eight years or so of my well, hair. Well, I don't think exactly. you know what I. Okay. With the, the thing about your hair and your and your metal stuff and all. What that is to me is. It's, it's like, it's blocking you to me. That's kind of the way I feel about it. It's like, okay, there's there's stuff there with Mitchell that could be greater if he could get out of that. That's just my own opinion of it. It doesn't mean that I'm right, but my own opinion will always be that because I just come from that sort of uh, uh, generation. <laughs> it's hard for me to see that as a plus when I see all these other things that are pluses that you don't need all that stuff. But, you know, that's just me talking about it. Right, right. And, and, uh, with like, for instance, with my dad, we never, I never had any discussion like you and I had with him ever. Right. I mean, never, not even for a moment. And uh, because he was my daddy, I, you know, I certainly felt close to him. But there was no like affection or or um, 
the physical closeness in any way. And I always felt that I never felt that I disappointed him, but I did feel like I was not the kind of person that he wishes I was. In other words, I think he would rather if I was a beer drinking guy that liked to go hunting and fishing and hang out in the bars and drinking with the guys kind of thing. Somebody that liked to build things and do kind of hardware work and Tommy. Get his hands dirty. Tommy. Yeah. 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 Uh and I and I was so happy and still am to this day that Tommy was that person, although I had many cousins that also fit that description in my dad's eyes. Right. And it was pretty obvious to me that he just enjoyed being around them more than he enjoyed being around me because I just was not that person that he enjoyed being around. You know, the, the, and, and a lot of it had to do with the drinking. I mean, let's face it. You know, the man was definitely an alcoholic and, um, he had a problem there as he got older. It was got very serious, but uh, <clears throat> he liked the camaraderie of the drinking world. You know, where you sat around and drank and talked about stuff. I love that. That's that's my thing. I love bars and little, you know, dingy. Well, uh, went through a period where I liked that too. But I, you know, when you're married, like I feel like I've been married my whole life. Okay, you practically have. <laughs> married you just don't you don't uh unless you're with your wife doing it i mean you know you don't really mm -hmm. well you think I mean, that I comes from his four bars with your mother your mom i always call her your mother because that's what i call my mother mother that's i mean more bars with your mom before we we're married and after we we're married than i've ever been with anybody mm. not even close <laughs> So, so, I mean, I went through that, that, that kind of stuff, but I was just not that kind of guy to my daddy, but I don't think I was, I never felt like I was disappointing him or he was, you know, choosing someone over me. I never felt that at all. Yeah. But we were not real close. I mean, that's just the way it is. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, you know, that's what I was saying about there's... Everybody's got something, you know, that's a little off about this or a little off about that. And I don't necessarily think by they're... By the way, I had occasion recently to visit my dad's file folder that I made at the time of his dying. And in there is the comment pages that people could write their comments online you know, was that thing that they have with the with the people, you know, with the, right. the obituary where you can write in. And, of course, I broke into tears reading it. I mean, I don't even want to read it again because I was – it was so well done. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know if you remember this, but you actually had a quote in there. You I, did write a little note to Dad. I to do Dad. not remember. I, don't, I didn't even remember he had a site like that. Really? Wow. All right. Now, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to yeah. read very quick. All right. When I was a child, about 10 years old, Dad came to live in Phoenix. He lived across the street from our local mall, so we visited him often. To the audience, this is Mitchell talking, by the way. When I get in trouble, my mother would have me stay with him for a while. She never intended it as punishment, just a chance to learn about life. 
and learn I did. He passed out a lot of wisdom about life, about love, and many things in between. I will always cherish those times I spent with him and all subsequent visits with him thereafter. He was a great person, a great grandfather, and no doubt a great father to mine as well. I know he will be missed, but wherever he may be, you can bet he's enthralling a close group of friends with his stories and wisdom, just as he did on Earth. I love you, Dad. Da. Sleep well, Mitch Marzoni, Anaheim, California, February 8th, 2004. Now, that was well written, by the way. It also makes me choke up when I read it. <laughs> you're you're yeah. having a little... Watch it. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, if each one of them, you get where you can't hold it back. I mean, you know, <sighs> in there, Doug that's no longer alive is in there. <sighs> mom is in there. Did you know your mom wrote him a, a thing about the bird cages? <laughs> You're done. <laughs> Whew. Well, he touched a lot of people, I'll tell you that. I mean, it was uh, impressive for, for him to uh, have uh, as many people that came to the funeral and the, and the uh, graveside service and, uh, and wrote things about him. <clears throat> but uh, you okay? Uh, trying, trying. <laughs> You see, that was a little surprise I threw on you there. Yeah, you were... yeah. <laughs> Wasn't ready for that. You don't remember writing it? No. No. Well, I'm glad I have it in that case. It, uh... yeah. <clears throat> now, the only thing that I wrote, I wrote it as uh, at the end after everyone else was finished. Meredith wrote something. Oh, you don't be reading all this. No, I'm not going to read all <laughs> Jenny. I'm, I'm not going to make it. <laughs> uh, what the heck is? This be the shortest podcast we've ever done right there. <laughs> mine is not going to... Um, it got me all choked up, but it, uh, only because it, I quoted what the... You, there was an armed services uh, group that came to the website, to the uh, graveside. And I don't know if I can read this. They make an announcement at the grave. <clears throat> it says, I present this flag to you on behalf of the president of the United States and of a grateful nation <clears throat> for your father's service to his country. And he gives you this flag folded up triangularly. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's huge yeah, for yeah, one. Yeah. Tommy had that I gave to Tommy. And uh, it was so well done. I mean, it was so classy that they showed up. They have a whole group of guys that that's all they do is they, when yeah, a world yeah. veteran dies, they, they go to the, they show up at the funeral and present the flag. And they give them the 21-gun salute and all that or what? No. Have a twenty-one gun salute? No, but I don't. I don't know you, how that works. Is that could, only for people who have died in battle, or what? Yeah, people that die in battle, and that's a whole nother. That's a whole nother thing. Well, I just figure if people are showing up at funerals, you know, military, you know, World War II veteran, and all this different stuff. I, I, I don't know how that works. Like that's why I ask. 
Well, that's what yeah. they did in my case. There were two of them that came. <coughs> I I think if we had gone through, there's probably a whole ceremony you could go through, but I, usually that's for the people that had died in the service, you know. Yeah, yeah. But um, reading Tommy's and yours was what choked me up. I mean, I just I was reading through them, and then Tommy's and yours are there, and I mean, I was like, whoa. <laughs> I, can, I can imagine Tommy's is probably uh, yeah, yeah, quite yeah. A, like a paragraph, like a couple pages. Be able to finish the show here. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't imagine. Yeah, well, I mean, because Tommy was with him, you know. I mean, him and Tommy were, were best buds, so I can only imagine. I wouldn't be able to hear. I'd probably hear a sentence and be like, "All right, you can stop." <laughs> I just have to put my hand up, probably. You know? Do you know what? Just us talking about him and remembering him. <clears throat> It's so great that uh, it's almost like, you know, when a famous movie star dies, <clears throat> they're really not gone because you still have the memories of the mem the movies and the, the joy of the seeing them and remembering them. Yeah. And I have that with him. I mean, uh, I can think of, you know, just hilarious stuff that he did. I mean, he was. <laughs> that's the, uh, well, that's the. One of the many religions I, I checked into for a few short years, uh, that was one of their big tenets, was that you stay immortal through your actions that people talk about long after you've passed. Yeah, I believe that, uh, without a doubt. I yeah. mean, that's... Uh... So the whole idea is, you know, kind of a a certain sense of exceptionalism or or whatever have you, so that you live on immortally because you, you know what I'm saying? You, you don't want to be yeah. a guy that somebody goes, whatever happened to Bob? Ah, he died. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's your move, you know, or whatever. And then, well, that's, you know, that's 98% of the people there. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a rare thing to have somebody like that who is so remembered by people. Yeah. I, when I spoke at his funeral, I mean, I cried during the entire speech. It was very difficult. I I had gone through a a uh, list of things I wanted to talk about, just as I would when I would normally give a talk about anything. I just kind of keep little notes on a card just to remind me of each topic. And, I mean, I was just falling apart as I was talking. Yeah, well, I can imagine. That, yeah. was, the, that was the main thrust of the message was that, he made friends with people faster than anybody I've ever seen. I mean, yeah. he he could just in a matter of greeting somebody and making some comment, they would just, you know, they would remember him from that. Yeah. yeah. You know, like I have a friend of mine that lives up in Kansas City that I haven't seen now. And, well, since we lived in Houston, we, okay. we were good friends during that time. Uh, and... Uh, he met Dad one time. He, he happened to come over to the house in the woodlands that we were living in when Dad was there, Dad and Margie. And Dad told him some kind of story about uh, hunting <clears throat> ducks and the way you waist high in the water and all of that. So when he died, I was talking to him on the phone right around that time, and I told him, by the way, I don't know if you remember my dad, but he recently passed away. And the first thing out of his mouth, oh, man, he said, I'll never forget that story he told about the dog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he said, I've told that story over and over again. And I'm thinking, here's a guy who was probably around there for like an hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, 
life, you know. <laughs> and he's got this story, remembers, and he tells other people. I mean, it's amazing. So oh, that yeah, was yeah. What I thought about it at the funeral was that 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 contagious thing he had going. But I think uh, you know, Meredith and I were swapping stories uh, that he told us the last time we hung out. You know, it's that kind of thing where it was like, did you ever tell you the story about this or the story about yeah. that? It's like, you know, <laughs> like, uh, you ever see Big Fish? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love that movie. And uh, yeah. that, that was very, I was like, that, that's like my grandfather, for that matter, you. Um, and I think that's, I, I think that's probably why my comedy is more storytelling than short one-liners. Yeah. I like storytelling myself. I'm in favor of that. Yeah, I'm big on the stories. I like them. I always feel it's bad. Got more, it's got more. It's more artistic, like when you do, rather than just one liners. You know. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. It's difficult to do when you you got eight minutes and you're like, oh, crap. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm flipping through the channels the other night, pretty late. It was after midnight, and on one of the uh, movie channels, Showtime or HBO or something, mm -hmm. it must have been some kind of comedy thing. There's a guy on a stage, a stand-up comedian. I've never seen him or heard of him. I can't even think of his name. <laughs> kind of an ugly little fat guy. It always sounds like it's an ugly fat guy whenever you talk about comics. It seems Yeah, like well, that's what he was. I mean, he's wearing a T-shirt with his belly hanging out. He had faded jeans and kind of a crew cut. You could see his scalp. And he's talking about raping Ann Coulter. Wow. I... Who Ann Coulter is? No, I do. I have no idea who this uh, comic is, though. All well, right. what I'm thinking, I'm not, I'm not going to give any details of what he went into, but I, I'm I'm thinking to myself, you know, let's say it was HBO, and I'm not even sure it was, but whoever allowed this kid to go up there and say that stuff, for instance, if I was Ann Coulter's husband, the guy would not be alive the next day if he talked about my wife in that description, I mean, I can't believe that's even allowed to be, I mean, that is like so out of bounds. It'd be bad enough if he was doing that as a story about a person you never heard of, some girl he knew or something, but for it to be an actual person. Yeah. I mean, that was, it was, Oh, I couldn't keep, I watched it up to a point I just couldn't watch it anymore. I was getting so boiled up over it. Man. But anyway, um, see, now that's disappointing. It's disappointing yeah. that there's human beings that can fall that, that low like that. I mean, that's about as low as you can get. Does it disappoint you, uh, as it does many friends of mine, when you watch terrible comics on TV and you go, why isn't that Mitch? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, what I do is I'm more apt to do it in in movies and stuff. Yeah, oh, I see. Because I don't watch, frankly, I don't watch a lot of stand-up comedy. That's fair. But uh, a lot of times I watch a TV show and I'm seeing somebody, you know, that's just must have knew somebody or just got a part. He worked hard to get a part. And was, uh, yeah. Thinking, hey, you know, Mitchell could do that. I, don't know. I, I still have no idea if I have any acting chops, as it were. I I don't think there's even scintilla of doubt, really. In fact, I don't well, think you're, you're really. Let's be fair. You're not in a position to judge that. Yeah, but I think I think it's it, it, the reason it has. There's evidence of it. Is there's so many stand-up comics that end up being actors. Yeah, 
Yeah. Okay, so that's what I'm saying. It's almost like a stepping stone thing. I know that you don't like to think of it that way, but I mean, there's a way. lot of successful actors that were stand-up comics. In fact, still do stand-up comedy, some yeah. of them. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, I think what it is, is is the ability to stand in front of an audience and sort of bare yourself naked to them is part of the reason, is part of, why, of what it takes to be an actor. An actor has to not be thinking about what somebody else thinks of them. In other words, he has to just be that person. Sure, sure. He can't. I think there was a part of The Sopranos, which covered everything in life, as I've come to. <laughs> but if you remember the part where... Uh, where, uh, oh man, I forget everybody's name. You know, the main guy, Tony's main relative. Silvio, oh, main relative, Uncle, Uncle June. Oh, no, no, young guy. The, you know, he was the main character. Chris. The main guy in the, in the mob, but he was the young guy. He was the young. Chris. 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 Yeah, yeah, all right, yeah. There was a thing in there, you'll remember it, where Chrissy takes acting lessons. Yeah. He, he and his girlfriend decided he could write a play, and then they decided he could be an actor. In fact, he ends up meeting uh, the guy that it, played himself. Actually, the guy—I uh, can't think of his name—but he's still, he's he's made a number of movies as a producer and director. But in that acting, in the acting part, where he's taking these lessons, they're they're doing a scene from uh, Rebel Without a Cause, the James Dean, Natalie Wood. Uh-oh. What's going on here? He's trying to get his father to love him. And it's a scene where he kind of breaks down and he, he falls on the ground and actually grabs his father by the legs. Uh -oh. We're going to lose. Yeah, it keeps okay. uh, I'm looking at my connection. And uh, he's doing this in front of the other acting and other people in the class. And all I could think of was he did it so realistically as an actor doing an actor's thing. Right. All I could think of is in real life, you know, just. Uh, Wait, sorry. Hold on. You're cutting out there. Yeah, I, I'm getting a. a connection problem here yeah i'm seeing that i'm looking at my connection everything's closed so i'm just looking to see if uh everything's yeah uh I'm you're saying as a, in, your, your picture's kind of uh staggering but i hear your voice fine uh yeah same thing on this end uh you were saying that as an actor in real life okay i lost that last word you said uh, you said it as an actor in real life i assume you mean if 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 the the bad actor he was portraying, if that was a real life person, no, I was thinking that if 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 what if what that character if what Chrissy was doing in this way, if he was an actual guy trying to get that part, trying to learn how to be an actor, and he was at an actor's group where there was other people sitting around, and he had to do that scene. You have to kind of bear your soul. You can't really be worrying about whether you're embarrassing yourself. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. you have to just give it. Well, I think that quality in a good stand-up comic or even in a person that does a lot of uh, 
public speaking, there's a certain confidence you have to have that comes across. And I think that's what people that are professionals at hiring actors and actresses, I think that's what they look for is that, that confidence that you can. Well, the perfect example of it is a, is a movie called last tango in Paris. Heard of it. Never seen it, but I heard it. Marlon Brando movie. It's very sexual, tremendous amount of nudity, but he improv he improvised the entire movie. Marlon Brando. He spoke lines. He spoke lines about himself in this movie. He he talked about his family and his father, although he was talking about the character's father sure. in the movie. But he was actually, according to his autobiography, he actually became himself in that movie. In the sex scenes and everything that he did with this girl is this girl will drive you crazy. She's an incredible body on her. Um, he did things with that girl that he that he would not, you know, he's exposed to the world that he does sexually with, with women. And it's a great movie. I mean, uh, he was nominated for the Academy Award and everything. It was a movie that he made right after he made The Godfather. In other words, he made The Godfather, and he decided he would go to Europe and kind of get away from all the publicity of The Godfather when it came out and everything. And he made this movie with, I can't think of the name of the director, but he's a very famous foreign director. And the director, who has done many interviews on TV about this, he said when they started with the script, Marlon kept moving off of the script because he doesn't like to memorize lines. He's not very good at it. And he told the director that, he says, I just want to be me in this. I'm just going to be me. I'm going to talk. When I, when I make a comment, it's me making a comment. It's not the character. So that's what he did. I mean, when you watch the movie, it's... It's, I mean, I've watched it over and over and over again. I have the DVD. Well, I mean, I enjoy watching the sex part of it. I got it with Ed. But it, <laughs> it's, uh, he is so good in that movie. And I'm thinking only Marlon could have done that. I mean, it's, I don't know if other and they could have done it. But it's called Last Tango in Paris, and I highly recommend it. But anyway, getting back to the question of you being an actor, you have the all the stuff that an actor would have to have. Good yeah, thing. Yes. You got the confident thing going, but you know it's a long, hard trail. I yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I have I have friends that like are in acting classes and stuff like that. And some of the stuff that some of the exercises they tell me about, I'm like, I don't know if I, I don't know if I could do that. It would just feel so silly. But uh, I'll tell you one in a minute. But uh, what I was going to say is that it seems to me that the comedians who become actors. Uh, and this is what I thought for a long time was the comedians who do actors are the ones who you can because you're writing your own act uh, you're creating already a reality that you're stepping into and presenting to the world but the, the comedians who have kind of characters that they do uh, whether intentionally or or it's they're doing a quick impression of somebody or their facial expression changes to where now they've become a different mood based on that facial expression or based on the intonation of their voice, those are the ones that become actors. Uh, I, I can't think of 
I mean, it, Dennis Miller has done very few, if any, movies. You know what I mean? I, I can only think of maybe two. And he pretty much plays himself because he's got one mood. But, you know, Jim Carrey, Robin Williams, you know, uh, Dane Cook to some degree. Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby. Richard uh, Pryor. Richard Pryor, absolutely. And Richard Pryor, I mean, did actual characters. You know, he took on, you know, he did Mudbone. He took on actual, like, created yeah. characters. Uh, but, I mean, the ones that sort of, when they're describing a situation, they become all the characters in the situation. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I feel like those are the ones that people pick. As like they go, that guy, you know, uh, that could be an actor. Whereas if you're just a one character, they're like, well, not a lot of range. There's not much they can do with them. And uh, now there is a secondary know. route to being an actor uh, I today. Bet. I bet I have to. I have to blow my nose and grab a drink. So I'll be right back. I'm gonna I'm gonna pause it real quick. So I'll be right back. All right. Here we go. Y'all, y'all uh, done over with that, okay? Yeah, good timing. I saw you come back just as I did. Anyway, you said there's a secondary route to becoming an actor. Yeah, the secondary route is if you were to become famous in some way as a character, as a comedian, or whatever, mm -hmm. you, they tend to take people like that because it sells tickets. Yeah, this is true. You know, it's very true. That that's the kind of that's the other route that you could that you could take. You see, like Robin Williams. Well, I don't remember the name of the show, but he the first thing he ever did outside of just being a stand-up comedian was that show where he played the alien or something. Mork and Mindy, yeah, Mork and Mindy. Oh yeah, and he was Nanu, terrible. Nanu. I thought he was terrible in that, but. Yeah. Oh, but the, the serious movies, the serious movies that he makes, he's been pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I, I like him as an actor. It's hard to even think of him as a comedian anymore, really. Yeah. I mean, and I think that a lot of people, uh, certainly my generation, definitely younger, uh, have no idea he ever did comedy. I mean, I, I realize that, you know, every eight years or so, he does like a little Broadway thing, but I, it's not very memorable. You know what I mean? Yeah. I try to watch it, and it's just, you know, it's kind of all over the place, and it's sort of, it's not bad. I certainly don't dislike him as a comedian. It's just, it's it's kind of hard to follow, and he doesn't really, it, I don't know, it's it's weird. He moves on so fast that there's almost no chance to find a joke in there. Um, and Have you ever been to a uh, play? Yeah, been to a few plays. Mostly smaller ones. I don't go to the big, like, cats and stuff like that. I don't really... Like I go to. We really enjoy ones. going to plays. Plays beat the heck out of movies. But uh, when I was in Los Angeles during that period, uh, while I was still living with everybody there in Phoenix, I saw Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Uh, yeah. At the uh, theater there in uh, in L.A. And the characters were kind of switched from what they ended up being in the movie. Like Kevin Spacey, who played the sales manager kind of guy, or the office manager, he played one of the characters. And um, So it was actually the actors in the movie just playing different characters? It was some of them, not all of them. Oh, Jack okay. Lemon uh, was in. Al Pacino was there. Wow. Spacek. Uh, spa uh, yeah, Spacey. Spacey yeah. 
David Strathon, Strathon, I was no, not, no, 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 not him. It was uh, what's the name of that guy? The tall, skinny guy that played the one he was selling the real estate, trying to sell a real estate. Yeah, I don't remember. I'm sorry. I love that. I love that movie and that play. And in fact, I even bought the soundtrack. Uh, not the soundtrack, but the music. It's terrific jazz music they play in that movie. And they, I keep that. We play that DVD when we take trips. Not DVD, CD. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I love going to plays, particularly famous plays, like an Arthur Miller play, like Death of a Salesman, where you remember the lines and everything. I mean, I love those kind of plays. Right. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't been to many Can you hear a beep? Can you hear a beep in the background? No. No beeping. Well, it was a warning. A bad. W there it is. Yeah. Yeah. You hear it? Yeah. That's a warning of bad weather coming. Wow. On my cable TV. Uh-huh. We've been having ridiculous weather. We've, knock on wood, we've been lucky not to get hit with some of the stuff. I mean, people have been getting killed with these tornadoes and stuff. Yeah. Have you ever noticed that we have absolutely no control over Mother Nature? Have you noticed this? <laughs> I mean, we are at total mercy of hurricanes, tornadoes, earthquakes, floods. I mean, think of all this stuff. The Mississippi Delta right now is flooding out tens of thousands of people from the Mississippi River. The hurricanes that have swept through the Gulf in the past seven, eight years have been unbelievable. The tornadoes are at a record pace right now. 436 people have been killed this year by tornadoes. That's like a 10-year number. Mother yeah. Nature. Of course, we could call it something else, but we'll leave it at Mother Nature. Yeah. But uh, Mother Nature, we have no control over it either. I kind of like it for that reason. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, we can't yeah. say, okay... Here comes a tornado. Let's divert it over and make it go away. Yeah, we yeah. can't do. It. <laughs> that's why they, that's why they got those storm chasers trying to figure out how to do such just such that yeah. you know they can they can try to find out for as long as they want to. I don't think it's ever going to happen. But uh, well, China did it for the Olympics. Uh, just not so much tornadoes and hurricanes, but they did uh, divert um, uh, rain, of, rain and such. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard of I've heard of. Them. In the clouds or something. Yeah, salt. Yeah, I've heard clouds, about that. But yeah. the weather is uh, the, the Mother Nature stuff is. Uh... Oh, by the way, you know that the world was supposed to end. I think it was Saturday. Yeah, but well, actually, this is the thing: is that which I, I thought. I mean, I was going along and making jokes about it as well. But they they didn't actually say it was going to end on twenty first. Uh, they said that that was Judgment Day. So theoretically, I mean, Jesus is coming back on that day of judgment. That's what they were saying was that on the twenty first, all the good Christians would float up to heaven, and uh, and then on October twenty first is when the actual world ends, and whoever's left behind between now and then is uh, is screwed. Basically, by the way, there's there's so. a thing in this subject right here that's somewhat puzzling even to me. Mm -hmm. Say even to me because I have a considerable amount of Christian background, Catholic anyway. Um, okay, you die, and if you're if you've been good enough, you supposedly go to heaven. Okay, yeah. 
Now, this has been going on, let's say, for 4,000 years. Okay? So that's a lot of people. Let's let's pretend it's only 4,000. Okay. Okay, well, yeah, I mean, we go back to Moses and the pharaohs and all them people. Let's go back to the the millions of years. Egyptian stuff was 4,000 years ago. So that's kind of where I am in the Bible. Okay, let's go with that. So, uh, all right, so now all these people are dead. When the Messiah comes again, which is what the Jews believe— that the, that he will come. That Jesus was not that Messiah. Yeah. When the Messiah comes, and he takes all the good people on earth with him to heaven, mm-hmm. and there's, and the way it reads is, he take he comes again to take the living and the dead. <coughs> okay. Yeah. So what I have a problem with is if he's taking the dead, then that means. All the people that died before that really didn't go to heaven. They'd just been in sort of a dead state, and they're not going until that time. You see what I mean? Right, Those right. things are very confusing to me, and I'm and I'm pretty much on top of this whole subject. Right. But that's a confusing thing I need to get clarified with Father Kelly. All right. Good luck on that. Yeah, the Irish priest, he will have the answer, and when mm, I get the sure. answer, I'll tell you on the podcast. Um, please do. I'll wait on the edge of my seat for the uh, the circular argument that comes right back down to uh, faith in Jesus or whatever. There he goes. You got to have it. <laughs> That's, it's, uh, it's all just that. It's human nature. Uh, my neighbor was, he's very much against war and killing and stuff. And, and uh, I was reminding him that in the Old Testament, God does a lot of, vengeance type things to people yep. like the like Egyptians and the pharaohs and you know plagues and lots wife turns the water into into blood and the yeah yeah hail storms that kill all the cattle and people have no house left to live in i mean he's yeah. he wants them, he wants the pharaoh to let the jews go right and so he's doing all this stuff to them see so like he questions the he questions the Christians and the commandment of thou shalt not kill. Right. You know, like servicemen are killing people. Right. So how does that work? Well, I just remind you that God himself has vengeance as well. And it's shown in the Old Testament of the Bible over and over and over again. Course. So, for the human body, for the human being to have a little vengeance on somebody that bombed us or something, is not really a big deal. If God himself does it, I mean, jeez. Well, he made us in his own image, right? There you go. There you go. Yeah, I like the way you have these little darts in there. I like that. It's, I'm just... Uh, I'm well, just... It's, like little, it's like a little zinger that goes right in there. You, you're in tune with exactly what you... What it, the way it is, and you say it. I like that. Uh, that's not a zinger. I'm, I'm, I'm going with your story. I call it a zinger, but I, there's, right. you don't have to call it a zinger. But I mean, it's, a, okay. it's, it's I'm a, following the narrative. I'm following the narrative. Actual validity behind. In other words, it's not just a comment you throw out. It's an actual quotation. Right. Yes. Yeah. I do that all the time with quotations. I love, I love quotation. I love, yeah. 
like using an example of something like that, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, well, I mean, I, I like, I, I, I'm amused by biblical quotes. That it's, I mean, I used one on my album, in fact, uh, Matthew five twenty eight, I believe it was, where I used in there. Not too good on biblical quotes, except those that everybody's accustomed to. But I am sure. good on movie. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I literally had to look up. I was thinking, I was like, I need a good, uh, I need a good. <laughs> You know, zinger, if you will. I need a good biblical zinger, um, because I knew I I know that in in the Christian mindset and the Christian religion that to think is to some degree uh, from a sin level to think is to do. Um, and so I was like, how can I sort of make a point about Pat Robertson being a hypocrite and calling out him, calling him out for uh, anti-gay rhetoric? And uh, so I found, I was like, I went searching, like, find me Bible quotes about uh, about the thought that counts. And I found a pretty, I thought, I thought it was a good one, was that any man who looks upon his neighbor's wife with lust has already committed adultery because he has lust for her in his heart. Jimmy, yeah, Carter, I, Jimmy Carter admitted that that happened to him when he was president. Yeah. yeah. Well, here's the thing about that, too. So I thought it's, that was a good for the gay marriage stuff or for anti-gay rhetoric. Was I was like, well, you know, look, thing. we've all had a gay thought. <laughs> here's the here's the problem with political correctness. Here's the problem: you can't remove a person's feelings about another person. In other words, there's nothing wrong with if I believe that I would not want a black person to marry my daughter. For whatever reason, and my reasons would be more than just the fact that he's black. It would have to do with their come their life and their kids and all that. All the problems that are built into that kind of thing is really what I would object to. But which I disagree vehemently with. But okay, I know you do. I mean, it, yeah, it, yeah. It's a California no-no. I understand it's that. It's not even. I mean, look, I, I've never. Ninety-eight percent vote against me in California. My favorite comedian. Two, two of my favorite three comedians are black. I grew up listening wait, to Shel Silverstein. Wait, wait, I'm wait, very wait. pro-black people. I didn't say I don't like black people. I didn't say that. Well, it sounds to me the same. No, you understand. That's not what I said. There's black athletes that I've loved my whole life, including Muhammad Ali, who doesn't, I'm sure, like me. But, I mean, I like him. And yeah, He's got his own oh, belief system. I, mean, I could go on and on. There's the Hank Aaron. I mean... Okay, well, uh, we'll get into it in a minute, because I'm curious to know why you wouldn't want a black guy marrying your daughter. I, I'm just saying, it, it has nothing to do with political correctness. It has to do with, like, well, I would rather if you didn't smoke. Okay, but that's okay. bad for my health. Well, it's the same thing to me. It's exactly the same thing. In other words, I I should be allowed to have feelings about stuff that could possibly be unpopular, but if it's my feelings about it, it, it can't be condemned because I have that feeling. Now, like gay people, I don't necessarily, I don't want to like change them, okay? Mm -hmm. I'm not interested in being part of their life. Okay, nobody's asking you to. 
So, so I'm just saying, I, I'm not, I would, I would, if I went in a place and it suddenly looked like it was a gay place, I would leave. Yeah. Nobody's at, nobody would do. Nobody's asking I'm you. Saying, I'm just saying, I am not willing to be in any part of their life in any way. Okay. There's nothing wrong with that. By the way, I have relatives that are gay that I happen to know are gay, although I wouldn't publish that or tell them who they are. That's fine. But I just have no want to be in any way associated with them. They're totally different kind of people. We don't have anything in common that I know of. So I would just exit them out of my life. Now, that doesn't, there's nothing wrong with that in my mind. It's not like I'm going to write a book about it or something, or I'm going to buy time on TV to tell them how terrible they are. That's not the point. The point is, me as an individual, I get to choose where I shop, what food I'm going to eat, what restaurant I'm going to go to, what movie I'm going to watch, and who I associate with. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah, you absolutely have that right. That's that's all it is. I don't think that there's any. I don't know that there's anybody arguing that specific point. I think that the idea of political correctness, and I don't necessarily agree with it either, because believe me, as a comedian, I have to skirt that line daily. Um, I think that the over the the overwhelming idea of political correctness, to some degree, is basically being conscious of the idea that what you are saying uh, marginalizes people who have done no harm to you but you have a certain disdain or you're saying negative things about them and i'm not saying you specifically but you in an editorial sense um people who have negative things to say about another group of people even they don't they might not even know that it is a negative thing to say but that group already feels marginalized and degraded against and to sort of further their suffering if you will by making disparaging remarks about them as a, as a proper society we should frown on that we should we should say look no that ain't cool I disagree and i mean i'm not saying that it should be illegal and I wouldn't put any laws in place. I'm literally just saying that when somebody says a disparaging remark about a marginalized class, how we grow as a culture is how we treat other people uh, different from ourselves. So if, if you say to somebody who's saying something about a marginalized class, hey, you know – these people have done nothing wrong to you. Why Why do you continue to marginalize? Why do you continue to degrade them for that? There's nothing wrong with a society as a, as a whole the same way that you have the right to say, well, I don't think there's anything with this, and I don't care of that, and I don't want to do this, and whatever have you. There's nothing wrong with a society saying, well, that's fine, but we don't have a problem with it. And if you do, then maybe you should leave. Because we don't have a problem with it. If you're cranky and upset, you mean leave? What I I mean that uh, that that sort of uh, that shunning is what I'm saying. Because what what political correctness comes down to is not a legal thing. It comes down to a shunning. It comes down to a society saying we don't. Yeah, but care you can't. For you can't what I'm saying remarks is, about. I'm saying is it's people. it's trying. It's a liberal thing trying to control. Your thought process. In other words, you are you're supposed to think like everybody else does about these people we're talking about. 
I think ideally if they would like they would like you to open your eyes to the to, to alternate lines of thought. They're telling you what you're supposed to think. That's what I'm saying. I don't like governments I, I, to do that, and I don't like other people to do it. We're on the same page. I think okay. that you're miss. I think it. it's a personal thing. Yeah, and I think that it's perfectly fine to say, "Hey, I think what you said about or to." Uh, or regarding these uh, people uh, is is was a negative remark, and I I don't much appreciate it, and they don't appreciate it either. Could you stop being so darn rude? It's the same thing as what you were talking about with the guy who goes up on stage and tells jokes about raping Ann Coulter, and you're like, I I beat the living hell out of him. You know, he wouldn't be alive the next day. Why can't that guy say that? Well, because it marginalizes her. It it it, it, it discriminates. Yeah, but I don't, it demeans I don't, her. As a, that's a long way from that anything. Demeans her as a person. Now, maybe his his thought, and I don't agree with it, but maybe his thought as well. She should be raped because she's a terrible person. Whatever his, I don't know his line of thinking on that. But whatever his line of thinking, that's his own thought, and he's free to get up on stage and say that. Well, he obviously is. He did it. Yeah, and well, they, that's, that's the got freedom, paid to that's do the it. That's double-edged so. sword of freedom of speech. But what I'm saying is that that while it might be a, a, an incredibly uh, offensive remark, and it's certainly a rude thing to say, he has the right to say it. Now, your reaction to that was, "Well, I would take him out." And I don't, I don't oh, yeah, no, that literally, that, but there's no comparison to what I'm talking about. Absolutely, a comparison. I'm talking about just as I would have a comment. On any of my children's friendship or mates or getting falling in love with whoever it is they fall in love with, I would have a comment about many different aspects. I'm not saying you even wouldn't. if it wasn't racial, it could sure. be some other aspect I may have a comment about. Mm-hmm. You know, like I wouldn't want any daughter of mine to marry somebody like me. It's been married three times, for instance. Sure. So, so. <coughs> It's it's in that it's in that collective thought that I would have this bias against or ma- them marrying a black man because all I see of them doing that is future pain. Well, you, you're thinking I'm thinking of, of all the, no, I'm thinking of all the stuff that they're going to have to go through when they do that. But now, that's all, saying, it's a thing with my children that right. I think now. As far I, I vehemently disagree, but what I'm saying is that when you come, when it comes to political correctness, insofar as this, it's literally uh, that that comment you made about why you wouldn't want, some, let's say, Meredith to marry a black guy or whatever have you, is is very much it's in the same light, but to obviously a different degree. Uh, no, it's as not as, as the guy as the guy with the Ann Coulter thing for one, and for two. Nobody cares. I don't want to give any more publicity to that. Please, I yeah. don't know. All right, about, all right. Okay, don't whatever. We'll talk about what. What I'm saying is that it's very. Uh, nobody cares. I wouldn't say nobody, but for the most part, whoops, she broke concern, up. The concern about a uh, let's say a racist. You're breaking up. Can you hear me at all? Hello, 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 hello. Can you hear me? I hear you now. Okay. Uh, yeah. The concern about uh, a racist guy in his garage 
is is not really there. Nobody's really worried about somebody just being angry and hateful and saying terrible things. The concern is when somebody, uh, usually a public official or somebody who has a high level of status that talks to a large number of Americans over the airwaves, when they get on and say disparaging remarks about certain classes, there's a part of you that goes, no, because now where I take issue with that and where most people do and where PC comes into it is you have a platform and you're using it to make further disparaging remarks about an already underwhelmed class that already is is feeling marginalized and already is feeling you know, beaten down by the system, and you're encouraging that guy in his garage. Why are we talking about hate. this? This has nothing to do with what I yeah, said. Well, it's, it's PC. I, I don't No, but I mean, that, I'm, that, I'm not that arguing the point of, of somebody, you know, that's running for political office or some preacher well, or somebody that gets up comes in front of 10,000 people and uses the N-word or something. Right. I'm not talking about that. So you I disagree with that guy? That person will pay a price for doing that, too. But do you disagree with that? Do I disagree with it? Do you think that, for instance, um, uh, I mean, if somebody's saying us, something purposely to hurt people, just if Bill O'Reilly, if Bill O'Reilly got on the air and said, "I don't want my daughter marrying a black person," do you think, you know, look, uh, you shouldn't be saying that on the air? Let's understand think- something. I know, and you know. In today's climate of political correctness, nobody that's got a show of their own is going to say anything politically incorrect. I mean, that's not going to happen. I know Bill O'Reilly said plenty of it politically if you, incorrect if you will, If you will take – it's very easy to take what I say out of context, but you and I are talking, so I don't mind saying it. Yeah, we're having it's an open discussion. Take out of context, oh, well, he's a racist. He doesn't like black people. But the reason behind that – comment I made has nothing to do with that. It has to do with my daughter having a tough life because of this. That would be my opinion. She's going to have a tough time. Her children are going to be a different color. She's going to have undoubtedly discomfort having a black husband, period. That's just my opinion. It has nothing to do with anything other than that she's my daughter. If somebody, right. if I see a black guy walking down the street with a white girl, it doesn't matter to me in the least. It has nothing to do with me. That's the two of them made that decision. But if I got a comment to make, or I have somebody close as a child of mine that's going to make a decision like that, I'm going to give them my opinion about it, and I'm going to tell them why I think that. Okay. But this I think that I, I political. This has nothing to do with political correctness. It has nothing to do I'm with not that. saying it does. And I, I don't I don't pay attention to political correctness. I don't care that uh, much. I'm just saying it, it, it's it's the concern just... that I think that I and many people who will listen to this episode would have with something like that is that uh, and it's about, to some what degree about no, it's what about very similar to how how like for instance like my hairstyle or my piercings or whatever have you. It's very similar where it's like you don't want that for me because of the judgment and things like this that I might get hoisted upon. There's, now, granted, I can change this, whereas you can't change. wrong with that, though. If I, if I can't tell my children what I think about their husband to be, there's something wrong with the world. No, I'm not saying. I, I, look, I mean, I, I should be able to tell them anything. I, 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 I understand. Let's say we got a guy that's been in prison for three years, okay? 
He's a handsome guy. He's tall and all of this and very charming. And he's been in prison for, uh, you know, uh, armed robbery. And he's also a drug addict. Okay. He's recovering. Yes. And and this person now wants to marry my daughter. uh Uh-huh. Now, I am going to try to persuade her not to marry him. Absolutely. It has nothing to do with what religion he is, what color he is, whether he's black, green, or gray. It doesn't matter. I have right. an opinion that her life is not going to be very good but if she marries him. But you, taking that's that to its same, logical... That's the exact same thing. No, because as, taking that to its logical conclusion, you're saying, in essence, even though you don't think you're saying it, you are, in essence, saying... There is a negative connotation associated with being black, and I don't want my daughter to be associated with that. An armed robber, you can anybody could agree, well, if you've got a history of armed robbery, that means you've got some problems. You know what I mean? You, you, you've got issues that you need to work out. There is a very much a negative to armed robbery. That's why it's illegal. But it's not illegal to be black, and there's nothing wrong with it. And so to say... My oh, well, point I don't that want, I make, you know, just take it at my point, though. Don't try to don't try to pick apart the fact that I chose a drug addict, which is a very <laughs> drastic uh, uh, but, but comparison. That's, that's the line the that you are taking. Is, the point I'm making is I get to have an opinion that doesn't get to classify as a, as a politically correct racist or anything else. It's my opinion of what her life is going to be like if she marries person it's a both. both it's both whoever person it a is if he's got things that i don't like i'm gonna tell her so you that that's then you're that saying that then that you're saying you just said on. then you just said that you don't like black people because you just said if she's doing something i don't like or if she's with somebody i don't like and you're no. talking about black people no. then it's, i'm that's talking a, about the fact that i don't want her life I'm predicting to her that her life is going to be tough because of that. And she would it's feel so that judgment. She would feel so that judgment from so you that, my oh, my so dad won't like him because he's black. And you're my, saying, well, no, no, other people won't. But I feel like by bringing that up, you're hoisting onto her an unnecessary guilt. Just in this scenario. Yeah, and there's nothing illegal about this. I don't think there's anything illegal. But you can both her. have an opinion and be racist. There's a, that absolutely happens. I, I'm trying to convince her not to marry him. Okay, period. I'm convinced that it's a bad idea because solely because he's black. Because he's black. Yes. There you go. So that is a racist remark. No, I'm not saying it's not also your opinion, but no, it is very much right. because it's based it entirely. Not to it's if, based okay, entirely was, on his race. There see, go. It's a racist, racist remark. If it was racist, it would it would count against every black person that likes a white person. And that's not what it is. No, it's racist because if he wasn't black, you'd have no yeah, problem with it. It's literally because one, he's black. That would make it a racist thing. Race no. when race comes into play and it's a it's a mark against someone or a situation that and race is, comes into play, that's racist. That is, instead of using a drug addict, let me just use no, a guy that I don't like because he's dishonest to me. I find that he tells a lot of baloney. He's kind of lazy in my mind. Negative things. This is just the way I Yes, but you're still talking right. about negative things. I am going to tell her that. Yes. I'm going to say, <laughs> this is what I think about this guy, and I think your life would be better if you didn't marry him. 
Okay. Yes. That's it. That's all it is. But it has nothing to but, do. But do you see that you black keep pointing person, out? But you person. keep pointing out negative. You keep pointing out negative personality traits, and there is not a negative that, personality trait associated with being black. To me, though, it's obviously not negative to her. She wouldn't be falling no, in love. No, no. But what I'm saying is that you you can look at an armed robber or a liar or any of these other things as personality traits. Those are things that are individual, right? Those are things that have nothing to do with anything about their race or whatever, as you just said. But those are negative things, and it's fair to say, hey, this is a negative thing. Let me tell you, I've been around the days the Democrats wouldn't let the white, the black people drink out of the white fountain. Okay, I've been around since those days. So let me just tell you. I've ridden on the buses where they had the signs they had to sit behind, and people would move the sign to make them get up. Yes. I mean, I've been through that, okay? So I know what a racist is. This I have relatives that are racist. Most of them are deceased now. Yeah. A racist is somebody who doesn't like the race. In other words, anything they do, just about, they don't like. They're going to think they're, you know, they're going to say, as a race, they're all lazy, or they're all stupid right that's racism absolutely that's what that is. right but when i want to talk to my daughter about a situation where she's about to marry somebody that i think is a bad idea because of their race because of their race huh i said but you say it's a bad idea because and solely because of their race that is racist it's because of what she's going to have to go through in her life that I'm trying to avoid her having to go through. Yes, That's, but it's but regardless, we both, we both it's based on her. It's based on the race of the person, though. It's got nothing to do with what they've done in life or what they haven't done. It's solely based on because of the race of that person, which makes it racist. I'm not saying that you are overwhelmingly hate every black person racist or anything. I'm just saying that is a racist you know, remark. Uh, you, you, that's there's no I'm not way. I'm trying to, to convince you. I'm just I'm telling you the facts. That's a racist remark. No, that's how it is. That doesn't. There's no way. If you know disagree with somebody being with somebody else, uh, let's say your daughter. I don't care what the situation is. If you would disagree with a situation based solely on the race of a person, that is a racist thing to do. I'm not <laughs> saying you don't still have an opinion. You're not entitled to. It. I'm not saying funny. any of that. I'm just telling you that is absolutely racist. This is, no two ways about this is that California stuff that That's is not, in your dead, brain. I, dead, I grew up in Phoenix. Okay, like I, uh, but, uh, you've been in California. Believe me, you have the California liberal taint. I dated a black girl when I was. Painted a soul. I dated more black girls in Phoenix than I've dated here in California. I didn't believe me. This that, is not a California to do thing. With this conversation. It, it does. I just find it now funny. That's all. Now it is. It's actually funny because it falls. Exactly in my line of thought about That's the California. Not, you can think what you want, but there's no two ways about it. If the reason that you have a problem with a with your daughter marrying a another person is solely based on their race, and you take it as a negative, there's no two ways about it. There's no way you could argue that's not racist because it's based awful. on race. That's what racist means: is that's making a, a disparaging remark about somebody. Based on their race, and all of your examples to draw parallels are all negative remarks about a person, and so you're automatically assuming negative things based on oh, the person's race. You ought to make it a kid over this. This That's is just two, no two ways about it. No, about these days, I need to bring on my co-host. I need to bring on my co-host from Monday, who's uh, 
you'll call just California through and through. Even though he was not born in California, he's been here for fewer years than I have. But he's a black guy. He's exceedingly political. And you two will have it out. Uh, and hopefully he won't, like, deck me in the face for putting him on the line because he gets very angry about stuff. So hopefully he can keep his cool, but I don't know if he could. Cause he gets oh, he's angry. not going to keep his cool. He gets angry, like, when we're on the show and I bring up the smallest stuff. He'll just jump on it. And it's, that's, yeah, that's his a, role. If, somebody, if somebody refers to me as an old man. Okay. Is that politically incorrect? No, that's, that's, you're, an, well, I, I mean, old man sounds degrading, but, I mean, you are older, but I, I feel, I would feel no, I mean, bad. I mean, it actually calls me an old man. Is it, is it, what was the question? Was it politically incorrect? Is it politically incorrect? Uh, I don't know. It, it how about feels, if they make, it feels how about if negative. They, how about if they make judgments on the fact that I'm an older guy, I got gray hair, I'm fat and all that stuff, and they make jokes about it, or they joke about it, or they make fun of it or something? How's that? Is that pretty much okay? Uh, not really, but kind of because we're all going to turn old if we're lucky. Yeah. So it's like we're not all going to turn gay or black or all these other things that people make disparaging remarks about. But you were born gay. You don't you don't. Uh... No, but what I'm saying is we're not all like it's not like at 60 years old. <laughs> I suddenly start having an affinity for men. Um, if we all if we all at one point in our life became black and gay and old and whatever have you then I think there would be an entirely different story. Speaking of gay, let me tell you a little instance of something. All right. You know, men gossip oftentimes more than women do, mm -hmm. particularly when they're in the same group of guys that do a lot of stuff together, play golf, go out drinking, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Okay? I'm at a thing down in San Antonio. We're playing in a tournament, and I'm with a bunch of guys, and we were sitting at the – in the restaurant, and we're having drinks and food and everything. And we're talking about different other golfers that we play with or play against, some of the guys that are in the tournament with us, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And we get around, somebody says something about somebody's clothing, you know, but that guy's really sharp, really a sharp dresser. Right. So I choose one of the guys that's actually on our team, although he's not there that night because he's coming the next day. And I make a comment that he's really looks like a pro golfer. I mean, he's, you know, he's got that look about him. He's, you know, he's a good looking guy. He's got a nice physique. Well, from that conversation and description, when I get back to the club, you know, maybe a week later I'm out there. And one of the guys that works there, the cart room, a young guy, he says, "Hey, man, you know you're getting you're getting talked about as if you're gay." <laughs> and I said, Texas. "What?" <laughs> I said, "What?" In fact, this guy happens to be black. This little the little guy that works yeah. at the cart. He's a young guy. He goes to college. He's working there part time. Anyway, right, right. Uh, he was serious. You know, I thought he was joking around. And as it turns out, this got to be like a gossip thing. And <laughs> so I went, I, 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 the next time I was with these guys, the next time we played in a tournament, it was a local uh, tournament over at uh, one of the courses over in Fort Worth. 
and we're all together. And this guy we were talking about was there. Right. And I said, now I went over and I put my arm around him. I said, I just want all of you to know that I do love this guy, but we're not gay. (laughs) (laughs) So I I think I clarified a little bit, but it's, it's just, um, we live in a society today where personal opinion and personal um, thoughts are so guarded that I understand why people like the forums and the notebook stuff and all that on the, online where they can just kind of uh, speak and no one knows who they, who they are. Mm-hmm. because this is something new in, in history, as far as I'm concerned, that you have to consider all these things before you say anything. Now, it's also selective, just as I said. Like, it's okay to to call me an old man or call me decrepit or, you know, look how slow he moves, man. He's getting old. Yeah, you play golf, you're hardly decrepit. Well, I'm just saying. I, I'm sure. I'm not, I'm not You're so, spry. It's okay. No one has ever called me decrepit. I mean, yeah. in fact, nobody would ever say any of this stuff to me. Uh, well. I'm just saying, in general, right? it's okay to make fun of old people. I mean, it's done every day on television. So we have a very selective sort of thing about that. And... I don't know. I, I, there's something. There's something. Is something part of it is humorous to me, because for one thing, it's much more rampant in certain parts of the country, like California or Connecticut or somewhere. And it's getting to where it removes some basic sort of freedom that you had before about what you say and 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 what you mean by what you say. You mean you have to qualify it and everything? Yeah. Well, I, well no. To draw a parallel, to draw a parallel, uh, it's we talk about it a lot in comedy. Uh, we talk about it a lot in my show, and we talk about it just as amongst comedians. And it's very well accepted in comedy as well as in society that, for instance, a black guy can uh, tell jokes about black dudes and can use the word. You know, the, I'll say the N word, um, even though I use that word freely on my show. Um, but, uh, you can, as a black guy, you can, you can make any number of disparaging remarks about black guys, uh, as a Mexican, any number of disparaging remarks about Mexicans, Jewish, Jewish, whatever have you. Uh, I think why to some degree, and there's, there's been in recent times, there's been, you know, people point out like, oh, don't call him old. He's older. And that's where I'm like, well, yeah, okay. you don't have to even touch on the subject. I just know, but whatever. I'm saying that I think the difference is that we're all again, if we're lucky, but we're all sort of destined to be old, whereas we're not all destined to be black or uh, or Mexican or Jewish or whatever. Have you? Yeah, but it's, so it's, what I'm saying is what I'm what saying, I'm saying, is, saying is, is it comes if, down to that is like if you if you have a personal connection to that, which you're making fun of then in a way you're making fun of yourself and people like you, but you're sort of pulling yourself out of it a little bit. No, it's it's like I can make jokes about white people. I can make jokes about uh, people I know 
you know, people who have like mohawks or piercings or tattoos, which I've done many times, um, you know, I can make all those kinds of jokes because I'm one of those. But if somebody who's not pierced and tattooed starts talking well, about those kinds of people, I go, well, now you're up and makes fun of old people. That's the same thing you're talking about. What's that? You get an older comedian. You, there was a guy who was, I can't think of his name. He's been around for years. And he was on uh, HBO special thing. And I saw him. And, and most, of his, most of his act was about being old. You know, how he forgets things and all that stuff. It was sure, funny. Sure. Yeah, well, so he, I mean, there's that. Yeah. He was doing the same thing. What I'm saying is there's really no difference. You can't say because you're going to be old, it's okay to. No, I think that's why it's excused. I'm not saying that it's okay. Have you ever thought that it may hurt the old person the same way you're hurting a black person or a gay person or a Mexican or a Jew? You ever think about that? I do, I do, but I don't really make necessarily. I don't necessarily make those kinds of remarks. So. Doesn't matter because the political correct Californians have picked out who it is that you can't say anything about and who it is you can. No, I don't think that. I think that. I think that it comes down to you're 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 somewhat you're given a certain pass and a certain freedom to say certain things based on who you are and your background and or your future. No, that you would otherwise not, not be given. That's the way I'm, I'm going to live my life in the United States. I am not living a life where someone else is telling me what I can say. That, I'm that's... not saying that they can, but what I'm saying is that as a cultured society, it does us well to say, look, you're, you're being rude, you're being offensive, you're making other people feel very bad. Okay, uh, that's and true. And we, Every one of those is true when you say something about absolutely. an old person. Well, I, absolutely, and I'm not saying they aren't true. Every one I'm of those saying, is true. I'm not saying they're not. Uh, I'm I'm not defending that. I'm the literally old, saying that, that as people, as a general as as a rule, there's there's nothing wrong with saying, "Hey, you're being a real you know I have to curse here. You're being a real asshole uh, to somebody. Hey, you're being a real asshole because it's it's we shouldn't all have to put up with that. And now if, if somebody's just out there yelling old people, this, and I hate old people that it's, yeah, it gets bad. And it very much people go, what, what the hell's the problem with this guy? Why, why is he so angry about it? And whatever have you, but to make certain jokes and make light of, uh, aging in general is something we'll all share when we get old. And, uh, you know, most of us will, get old and we'll all experience that and then if anything well ideally we'd look back fondly or whatever have you and they will become the brunt of those jokes and we'll go oh, okay well that's what they call karma uh but i think that so so in that regard it's sort of there is something funny you know there about um uh, el elderly to some degree uh but i think that it's a shared experience because we all know that we'll be there one day it, I was going to bring up tonight, like uh, in my list of notes, and we didn't even get to them. Um, I have no problem with. In my list of notes, I was going to bring up that I have at least five gray hairs for the first time in my life. And it's very strange to me. It's the first time that I can't go, oh, no, that's a blonde hair that hasn't turned brown yet. It's These are literally gray hairs. And I was going to ask you about gray hair and when did you first notice it. And 
And I'm not really that afraid of it because I'm like, well, these days it's kind of distinguished and stuff. But it's a weird thing in my life to look up and actually see undeniably gray hairs that I can't, I can't just go, well, no, that's that's not. When I was illusion. forty years old, is when I noticed it. And then, what was your feelings on that? Didn't bother me in the least for a long time. What bothers you now, at the point when you're <laughs> just about all gray, is that. The opinion people have of you starts with that. In other words, you're old, you're past your prime, you're, you're this and you're that. Sure. And therefore, you have to recover from that right off the bat because they immediately have that problem. It's like when I'm playing golf, I'm usually surprising people that I can play golf. Yeah. And usually beat the people I'm playing with. Sure. Because when they originally see me, they figure, oh, this is going to be a long day. You know, we got to have him trekking around with us. You know, he's going to be hitting the ball over the woods, and he can't hit it very far, and he did, 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 did this and that. As it turns out, that's not exactly what happens. Mm-hmm. So I kind of treasure that part. I mean, I, you know, because I know that's what's coming. If I'm playing with somebody that doesn't know me in one of these tournaments, I like the fact that he's thinking that out front because yeah. he will change very quickly to another thought. But um, I just I just think that there's got to be a way for me to communicate with someone as close to me as a child between me and that person, my thoughts about their life. Absolutely. Now, I'm not, I'm not but, saying whatever, that. Whatever aspect of their life that I'm talking to them about has nothing to do with anything other than them. Their life, what I think they should do, what I believe will happen when they do this or that. I could be wrong, certainly. But it's many times I just want them to know and be fully aware of all the things that are going to happen when they move to a certain place or they buy a certain car. Or they lease a car instead of buying it, that kind of stuff. Sure. Or if a daughter marries a black man. Sure. It's I'm not the same exact category to I, me. I would, I would vehemently disagree. I would vehemently disagree with any law that would tell you that well, you can't do that. The or, other thing is, I realize that you're on the podcast. You got your friends listening, <laughs> and there's no way that you can take any side in this other than what you're taking. And I appreciate that. I mean, I really do. I I honestly. No, you don't. Don't have to say. Don't don't. Because we've had discussions on here that I'm sure that. I mean, I have no idea if my friends listen. They don't really tell me. It's cheaper than it is. It's not a cheap thing. No, I'm I'm saying that if if there was. I'm sure sure there are definitely subjects on here that people would be like. I'm sure that there are subjects that have come up that friends of mine would be like. I can't believe you said that, or I can't believe you felt that way, or I can't believe you. You are not going to be politically correct sitting there in Hollywood. I don't care what you say. What's that? You're breaking up. I didn't hear what you said. I'm not the politically correct something. Um, I just heard you say I'm not the politically correct something. We're losing our connection or something. Uh, I got everything closed out. Um gone? Yeah, I can hear you. Hey. Yeah. I just heard you uh, say you're you, up. you said that I'm not the politically correct something in Hollywood. 
Yeah, but uh, I'm just, you don't I, have to go any further than just let no, me. I'm just curious what you said. You said, well, you're not the politically correct something something Hollywood. Let, let's just leave that at what I said originally. I don't know what you said. That you have enough respect for your friends that are closest to you there and when, in the town that you live in and make a living in, that you are not about to say anything that would fall in the category of anti-California political correctness. I You're absolutely would. I absolutely California. would. You live there. You're part of the community. And I respect every bit of that. I, I, I'm i telling the, you that there's, there's – there's, I you, really don't know. I, there's no other way I would go on like this. trying to deny something. Leave it alone. I'm just. Right, right. I'm just telling you. I. I. I don't feel that way. I don't feel. I don't feel that I'm doing. I'm not putting on a false front or saying. Oh, my friends will be upset. What I'm saying is by saying that you 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 cheapen what I'm saying. All right. All right. Well, that's what it sounded like. Don't to me. say that because that's that's like, you know, the guy that says immediately, "Well, my best friend is a black guy. Well, oh, I got well, black right, friend. Right, well. that guy." That's what just, it just sounds to me like you're saying I'm being ingenuine, no, uh, disingenuine. I, because... I'm just saying that it's a respect thing, okay? I mean, I understand it. I yes, understand. I respect my black friends. If I was in your shoes, I would, the same, I would be saying the same thing. All right, well, I, I don't know. I, I can't help but take that as a, as, as a as saying I'm putting on a false front. That's the way it sounds to me. Well, I don't think it's false. I think you sort of... Unindated with it, basically. You've certainly heard the thing that every... I don't think know, it's false. Definitely. Every generation is going to be more accepting and more pro, you know, progressive, if you will, than the generation before it. So To me, I think that's less progressive. What is? Progressive would be where we're all exactly the same and we can criticize each other. If we don't like a certain group of people, we can just don't like them. That would be progressive. You are free to do that. Nobody has a problem with you doing that. You'll be shunned off the face of the earth. You're free to dislike whoever yeah. you like. You, you think you of the cases, the southern racists in Birmingham, Alabama, with a shotgun, chewing tobacco, going to the Baptist church every Sunday and every Wednesday. Okay? And he don't like ends. Right. And he puts nooses on his front door. Right. Business. Okay? Now, he's a racist, okay? Okay. But... But he's been shunned by society anyway. He wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, but what I'm saying is he's he or she, whatever it might be, is totally degraded as a human being. That because guy. they degrade other human beings based on that arbitrary arbitrary distinctions. The human being right there. Now California people degrade the entire South that way because they think everybody lives in a trailer park, is Baptist, and hates black people and is stupid. That's generally I've, the I've certainly I've certainly heard that, yes. I've heard that, that remark. That's like that that's like the Bible of, of California when you talk about the South. It's it's that is certainly the prevailing uh, stereotype. People yes. tell me they would not drive through the state of Mississippi. I have friends who've said that, and I've said I've, 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 well, I wouldn't, I've never driven through there, but I, I would. I don't have a problem with it. How did that happen? Other than just the California media with the movies and the overwhelming oh, control of the mental attitudes of people preaching to you 
that everybody in Mississippi is the, is the same. No, I have seen it. I would not think Stupid that about Mississippi. Christians. Myself, personally, I have, I have seen that. I told you on this podcast I saw that in Mississippi where, where I got lost and I walked through a black neighborhood and a kid walked or was riding his little uh, big wheel out in the lawn or something. And he said, Daddy's a cracker on the lawn. And I literally thought, wow, that's some strict parents that can't have a cracker on the lawn. Well, this means the deal. whole state is that way, right? I'm not saying that. I'm telling you that I saw that and I thought, wow. Like when I when I found out that they were like they had a problem with me because of my skin color, I was like, that's that coming from Phoenix, having no really other races. Uh, I was I was like, what the heck is this? It was very confusing to me. And so I, I'm not skeptical when I when. I hear about racist Mississippi. Mississippi has a history of racism and continues to this day. I'm not saying everybody wait, in Mississippi wait, wait, is wait, wait, wait. How do you know it continues to this day? How long has it been since you've been in Mississippi? Okay, admittedly, a few years. Okay. <laughs> but I, I'm saying that... What uh, do you know about Mississippi that would, right at this moment, tell you that the racism is still real hot and heavy in Mississippi. Well, what do you know about that? I know that if I if we called Tommy right now and asked him about um, his feelings on black people, they would probably not be very positive. No, that's not true. Do you think he would let his daughter? Absolutely. He would let Cal. Do you think Tommy has, his, Tommy just has no racism in his body? Do you think that if I said, hey, so many black people to help him build houses, he works hand okay. in hand with All them. Right. They they nailing the same boards in the house. All right. He has no feelings about that in a negative way at all. He he certainly had him when I was a kid, but all right. The well, last time that pretty, uh, the last so, time he and I hang out, hung out, he he very much had had strong feelings about black people. Just saying, if you sat down all the kids in the, in the tenth grade, let's say in California, the entire state, mm-hmm. and you said for them to write five hundred words of what they think about the people that live in the south. Every single one of them would would make those comments that I'm telling you right now. And Stupid, you, you have a stereotype. And you have a stereotype that are racist and don't like black people. You have a stereotype. Every one of them would write that on. You have a stereotype that everyone, let's say West Coast, even, but let's go with California. Oh, I'm just saying. You have a stereotype that everyone in California drinks from some magical well that makes them into this like. This PC loving and hippie commune hates the. That's where it all comes from. I mean, no. that's where it originates. Again, that's the same. You are literally hoisting on me and or California. You are hoisting out the same things that that you are trying to I pretend you to don't, do. Don't I want you to, to do you. is I want you to find someone who's like me in California. I I I've. One of my best friends is is you and him would get along greatly. His name is TK. What's that? He likes sports. Loves sports. Will not stop giving me shit about not liking sports. Yeah. Loves them. Loves sports. Was born and raised in Texas. Oh but, well, that's that's a different thing. I mean, well, he's he's tainted with the Texas yeah, man. Whatever. I'm just saying. That's it, it, without even thinking. I could immediately find you that. I'm just telling you that these stereotypes, you hoist stereotypes and then and then have the gall, if you will, to say no. other people hoist no. stereotypes if, on you. If they can call things politically incorrect, I can call them what I want to. 
That's fine. That's California. This is has America. Same, I would, California has the same criteria that Mississippi has. If we can talk about Mississippi in a group fashion like that, we can do the same thing with California. Just because there's ten times as many people, don't mean I can't do I'm that. Not, but I'm not saying everything about it, Mississippi people or whatever no, but have you. People I'm saying in that California, it ain't that just California. It's most of America. It's most of America. I know this because of comedians that I've listened to that don't live, would never live in California, who have never lived in California, who let's say come even from the South. Many no. of them, when they talk about a about a racist person or somebody who is like, you know, don't take away my guns, et cetera, et cetera, they will they will affect a a southern accent, which, by the way, isn't even a southern thing. You'll find southern accents, quote unquote, all up and down this nation, and it it tends to apply to people who have an issue uh, with. Uh, Certain races, certain people that they they tend to enjoy guns, things like this. I I there's this. It's it's very much it's a weird kind of affectation. It's 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 in along the same lines as one might say. Well, we somebody with this. somebody who go. talks slightly high pitched. My Asian spiel. Somebody with a slightly high pitched voice and a lisp would generally be considered gay. It's it's very similar to that in in the redneck. Uh, I was going to get into a, a very positive thing about Asians, so remind me next week. Yeah, I'll, I'll have you uh, spiel no, off on positive. that. It's a positive thing. I know that's that's the way they always go. <laughs> no, I'm saying I'm saying that the Asians I'm meeting at the church I've been going to, mm-hmm. quite a few Asian families in there, and you start looking into the situation with Asians, and they're like head and shoulders above the rest of society, if you ask me. They have a 5% rate of divorce. We have a 50. Their kids all get educations. They mm-hmm. don't get divorced. They're very religious. And they're they all very religious, I will tell and you they all, right now. They're all very religious. I'm sorry. They may may be right there in Texas. The other things I will say that's, that's generally, uh, you know, that stereotype oh. holds up. No, it's a don't cultural throw out thing. The, out the religion thing. Go down to Berkeley, California, where the where the the uh, majority <laughs> of students are Asian, and find out how strong the the uh, religious aspects are of the school right there. Go ahead and find that out. Check it out on the internet. I'll, I'll t- take a Berkeley, look on the internet. California. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm I'm just telling you that there is a there's a uh, that, I gotta that, go. Well, I was just gonna quickly say that Asian oh. cultures are generally very what they call shame based and because of that it, it alters a, ver- a variety of uh habits that continue to this day that's what i to say shame based culture shame based culture on earth as far as i'm concerned what's that they're the number one race on earth uh, i wouldn't i wouldn't uh separate people by race but well that's what i just did okay well you do that feel free. okay all right, take I'll care, Dad. You take care this week, and next week we'll talk about Asians. Yeah. But it's all, all positive. I have not a negative thing to say. Not even one negative thing. Can I Which just of. makes everything you say about any other race that much more negative. All right, Dad. Bye. All right, take care. I love you.